We actually are going to transition and continue this morning, and we just got done with a series called Made for More, and at the end of this series, the plan was, is we were going to do something called Conversation Sunday. So um, we are going to be just kind of really answering some questions that many of you guys submitted throughout the series, and I also want to provide this Sunday as an opportunity for you to ask uh, questions as well. So we're going to do some, we're going to leave maybe 15 to 20 minutes at the end, so I'm going to keep my eye on the clock this morning. And uh, we're going to do some spontaneous questions. So if you have a question that you want to ask kind of spontaneously this morning, up on the screen we have a number for you. And that number is not only up on the screen, but it's right here as well. So if you're following along with us on Facebook Live, you can ask a question, and it might possibly get answered uh, near the end of our time together this morning. So that is a number that's going to be up on the screen, uh, 580-825-4291. That's not my personal number, so don't try to spam me. Uh, throughout the week. I know last time, like, there was, like, tons of text messages after the fact. Somebody tried to call the number. It's like, don't be weird, people. Come on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we, we've thought this through. Anyway, uh, so text that number, and by the end of this, we'll, we'll get that question and hopefully be able to answer uh, your question this morning. But really this morning, we're going we're gonna to answer some questions that were submitted uh, by you. And this whole series has been a lot about calling. Uh, what am I called to do? Who am I called to be as a human being? So, a lot of the questions really were encapsulated in kind of really a major question that I, I just believe kind of overarcs um, all the questions that were asked. And that question is going to be up on the screen kind of as our, as our leading question for today. And I don't, honestly, I don't know. It's dependent on the time, how far we get. But uh, answering this question I know is going to take a, a decent amount of time in our time this morning. But here's the question. And it kind of, I think the majority of the questions that were submitted are kind of encapsulated within this one. And the question is this, what steps would you recommend for someone trying to define and pursue their calling? Because here's what happens, right? Many times we have like a sermon series. We get pumped up as a church about like, yeah, like we're made for more. Like God's called us to more. Man, God's given us a calling. God's given us a vision. God's pumping us up. But then it's like, I love this question because it really gets down to the nitty gritty of the practicals. What does this look like? How are we going to do this? What's like, what's the way forward? How can you give me actual steps for me to pursue my calling uh, as a church community, how do we answer that question? And here's what I'll say. I love this question uh, because the answer to this question is why the church exists. This, the answer to this question is why the church exists. To help people take next steps towards their sacred summons and life purpose. Their calling. See, that's, that's, that's the purpose of the church. How are we helping people understand their God-given identity, their calling as a human being, their purpose for being on earth, and how do we push people towards that uniqueness of what God has called you and I, not only as, as a people, as a whole, what God has a vision for, but also uniquely for you and I, knowing that God's created you and I uniquely and specifically. So I love this question. Because this is the question I'm passionate about because I wouldn't be in pastoral ministry. This is the question of why. Like, this is the question of, like, this is everything, right? So I think this gives a great opportunity of really just breaking down the practicalities of what does taking next steps and our calling look like for us as a church community. Because my heart as a pastor is for you to grow into that. For you to be a force to be reckoned with in the world that we live in. For us not to play the game in the facade of church. But for us to actually take this journey seriously. If we're here to just play a game, I would beg you to rethink why you're even here on a Sunday. 
Is this just a game? Is this just a country club? If it is, that's not my goal and not my job or what God's called me to lead. See, asking the question, why, becomes so powerful. And we've been talking about this in this series. Here's our commitment at our church is this idea of you can do it and we can help. And I think that's a really healthy posture to take. Rather than once again saying, well, we're going to do it. We're going to provide all these programs and you just help with our vision. We're saying, no, no, no. We understand the vision for the church. If the church is the fullness of everything in every way, as Jesus has called us, that means it can't be a one-man pastor, clergy, clerical show where it's like the paid professionals leading all these ministries and everybody just gets to help follow that vision. No. God has called us to so much more. But what does that look like, right? So... Really quickly, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna break down a few terms, and then we're going to flesh it out. Because uh, I know I'm not going to assume this is everybody's, like, fifth time in the series or, like, they've been tracking with us. So just kind of as a review, we're going to talk about two callings as we talk about taking steps in our calling, right? Our primary and our personal calling. So let's start off with our primary calling. And this comes from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So, you know, what are we called to do? Here we go, right? So Matthew 18, 28, 18 through 20, Jesus gave his church... A really, really clear mission for everybody. This is for everybody. It's like, it's not like, this is the mission for the pastors and the paid professionals within church. It's like, no, like, this is the mission. This is the primary calling for what the church is supposed to accomplish, right? It comes out of something that we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And to break down that verse in kind of a, in a way that is, is digestible for us to understand calling this morning, our primary calling is this, to be a disciple who makes disciples wherever you are. Now, uh, different, you know, uh, organizations are known for different things, right? McDonald's is known for making burgers, right? Ford is known for making cars, right? Apple is known for making computers. The church is known for making what? And the answer to that question can get so confused over time. Is like, what are we supposed to make? The church is called to make disciples. That's the core mission. That's the primary calling. That's what Jesus called us and told us to do. That's the great commission, right? That's the, that's the focus. That's the, if we're going to get good at anything, this is what we need to get good at. But I'll say this, is that word disciple, what does that mean, right? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? So I think it's helpful for us to understand and create a definition of what a disciple is. So we're going we're gonna to kind of create a definition here this morning based on uh, the biblical perspective. And it comes out of Matthew 4.19. I think this is a helpful definition of what Jesus was calling his, his, his followers to do. And we see this engagement in, in Matthew, Matthew's account of the gospel where Jesus says, Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. So this is where we're getting our core idea and definition of disciple. What does that mean? So the way we're defining disciple is this. Someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus, right? So we got we to be a person that follows, but you're also a person that, in, in, terms, in terms of following Jesus, you know, there's a lot of heavy things that happen when you begin to follow Jesus and make him Lord of your life. So there needs to be this transformation that happens when we follow him. If he truly is God, if Jesus is God, and we don't just follow him and, like, nothing happens. But there's this transformation process that happens that puts us in a place to push us out into the world and be effective in terms of his mission and what his mission is for us. To be a disciple who makes disciples wherever we are. Well, okay. So let's, 
let's talk about the leadership of the church and how this kind of breaks down. And we looked at this a little bit in the series. So Ephesians chapter 4, just as kind of a review on the next slide here. It says this in Ephesians 4. It says, so Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to do what? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. This is a really key verse in our understanding, and I heard this definition of leadership uh, that I thought was so powerful and profound in, in terms of clarity of what the leader's job uh, is that really coincides with Ephesians chapter 4. So the leader's job is to create, sustain, and build upon the environment in which everything else flows. Meaning this, is that our church has to be structured in a way, and the job, much of my job, is to structure our church in such a way where it allows people to grow into Jesus, but most of all, grow into the primary calling of what Jesus has called us to do, to be disciples who make disciples wherever we are. If that's the mission, then my job as the pastor and the leader of the organization, the church, is to make sure that our environment is created for one where you can grow and take next steps in your faith. There's next steps provided for you to grow in fulfilling that primary calling that God has called each and every one of us to, right? So the question about our primary calling then would become when it comes to how do we take steps in our primary calling? Let's just talk about that first. And I guess the question for us as a church is are we giving clear next steps to grow in your faith and disciple-making abilities? Is that happening? Are we giving you clear next steps for you to grow in your faith? So let's break down what this looks like and how we accomplish this at our church. What does next steps look like in your faith? How do we structure what we do here at Ponca City Church, right? This is getting really practical, getting really down to the nitty-gritty of what it means to be a disciple who makes disciples wherever we are. How do we grow in that primary calling? And this is what we would call our disciple-making plan. And it's under this metaphor of family. Our vision of our church is family matters. So we created language that represents kind of the responsibilities and the identity of a household. Um, so we have all these different things, right? We have a move-in process, right? Nobody likes moving. Nobody likes helping somebody move, right? Like that, that's when you figure out who your true friends are. I always, I always say that, right? Because moving is, is horrible. Moving in, right? And then we have these four kind of uh, responsibilities within the household. To grow up, to make friends, to get a job, to love the neighborhood. And then eventually you can't live in your mom's basement forever and you got to move out, right? So this is a process of maturity. So we use this language, right? So I just want us to, to really embrace and envelop our understanding of next steps in our faith tied with what we do and why we do what we do, right? In terms of helping you grow in your calling primarily as a follower of Jesus, right? So first and foremost um, is move in. Move in. So a lot of the move-in process um, for us as a church is how do we as people help people know we exist and invite them to be a part of what God's doing? How do people know we're here? People can't move into a house unless they know the house exists. How do, how do people actually get to know that we exist as a church family and a family that, that man, we want to do, we want to be faithful to the things that God's called us to be faithful to? Well, the way that we do that is we invite people. The way that we do that is we extend an invitation. Well, the way that we do that is we market to the community, right? We, we help spread the word of the good things that God is doing. Ways that we're taking a posture of serving the community, right? How do we help people know that we exist and then invite them to be a part of what God's doing? So that's, that's kind of the move-in process. What we do on Sundays, it's a great next step 
of people knowing we exist and what we're all about, right? That's why we place a high emphasis on Sundays because many times when people walk in, if you're new this morning, hopefully you walked into an environment with a loving family where you're like, okay, these people, maybe I'm on a spiritual journey, but these people don't seem too weird, right? Or these people seem to be trustworthy or this seems to be a safe family where I can process my spirituality. And I'll say this is not every church environment creates a safety where people can process that. But we're striving so hard to represent what it looks like to be a community to help make the move-in process to this family as easy as possible. So that, that, that's our move-in process. And then within that, once you get into the family, these are the four next steps that we just highly encourage. Four next steps. Four big steps that we're just like, hey, you want to grow in your faith? Like here's, here's, here's ways that we're providing ways for you to grow in your faith, right? The first one would be grow up. Grow up. And the way that we really express this idea of growing up uh, currently is through something that we have called Growth Track. And we just got done doing one a couple, several weeks ago. And every four months we do something called Growth Track. We just believe uh, in the process of understanding uh, next steps that we need to take in our faith. And one of the ways that we express this is through really a five-week class journey to help you understand, first and foremost, what are we all about as a church and how do we find our place in the midst of that of what it looks like to grow in our faith, to be disciple makers, to be disciples who make disciples wherever we are. So we have formal classes to help people walk that journey and understand what that looks like for you to grow, find your place and what growth looks like for you in the context of our church community, right? So that's grow up. The next one that we highlight, get a job. Get a job. So uh, how many of you guys know that, you know, if you got uh, people in the household, uh, they can so much easy be uh, uh, leeches, financial leeches, right? Family members that never actually provide for the household but just continue to leech on the economics of the household. See, uh, we got to at some point get a job. We got to carry his responsibility. If we're going to live under the roof of the house, you know, we actually got to help provide uh, for the rest of the household. And we take this in the posture that Jesus did. He came to serve, not to be served. Sundays aren't for somebody to like just sit. I just believe this. Just like sit and like just devour religious goods and services. How is this about me? How is this about me? That's great. And that's a posture you can take. But at some point, we're probably going to encourage you to take a next step of getting a job. Serve. And the way that we express that in terms of that is joining a ministry team is helping provide this environment on Sundays where other people that are getting connected to our church know and feel that they're being loved on. When they pull into the parking lot, they see somebody with a sign welcoming them. When they get out of their car, there's somebody there to greet them and to be warm with them. When they get into our coffee bar, they smell fresh coffee and they get free donuts. The whole process, people figure out if they're coming back to your church within the first 10 minutes. It has nothing to do with my message, how good the worship is and all the things that we believe, all these lies. People are just trying to process through, is this a family I can trust and get on board with, right? But we also believe, man, we need help in the process. So, man, don't just sit there, grab a job, do it once a month, sign up. That's a great next step for you. Get a job, right? The next one in our, in our next steps is make friends. Make friends. Now, the way that we express making friends is something that we do called small groups. Because once again, if this is an hour of our week, God wants to use the other 167. Church is not a building. Church is not just one place on a Sunday. Church is a people. And as people, we have opportunity to meet the God of the universe all the other 167 hours of the week and connect deeper into community and relationships. We need friendships. We need people that are going to be good friends in our life, right? 
Bible says bad company corrupts good character. People are like, I just don't know why I'm not growing. And it's like, well, where is your community of people that are pushing you in the right direction? I don't know. I don't have them. It's Sunday. Sunday's not going to cut it. Because there's 167 other hours where we need to be in community with one another, which is why we place a huge emphasis on our small groups. So right now we have our summer small groups that last for three months. Head to our website, poncacitychurch.com. Find the contact for a small group that works for your schedule, and hopefully there is one. If not, that puts more of a need for us to step up and to continue to provide more environments for people to grow, right? So it's this tension of providing, but it's also this tension of growing ourselves in community. Small groups. And then lastly, uh, the last one is uh, love the neighborhood. And we have different events that exist throughout our calendar year where we're just trying to take, be a, a church that takes a posture of we are for our city. Our hashtag, for Ponca City. We want to be a church that's known for more for what we're for rather than what we're against. So one of the ways that we express that is we put, place things on our calendar where we're saying we're taking a posture where we want to provide something amazing for the city where people can connect. One of the ways that we just did that, our last one, was our great day of service where we just served our neighbors in the community. We have a bunch of churches that partner together once a year, and we go serve and love on our neighborhood. So we just really try to serve our surrounding blocks around our neighborhood. So these are, these are four next steps. And then lastly, the move out process. Move out. And moving out is, this idea is once you kind of grow in your faith, the ball's going to get placed in your hands to not only be a disciple, but to make disciples. That whole thing, remember McDonald's, burgers, Ford cars, this is what we're called to do. So, what does that look like for you? How do we release you into your unique masterpiece missionary lifestyle? Maybe that looks like leading a small group, as I mentioned. Maybe that looks like leading a ministry. What does that look like for you? That means leadership in an area where you specifically feel called. So I'll say this. You can do it. We can help. So that's how we're helping. We're providing an environment and next steps for people to grow in their primary calling. This is how we're trying to fulfill that and help you. Because we just believe within that, there's a sufficiency for you to understand that you're a disciple, to be a disciple. And, and through that process, you're going to understand how to make disciples. We talk about the nitty-gritty of a lot of that in our growth track. And if you give yourselves to these steps that we've provided, it's going to help you grow in your primary calling. So... That's how we are helping, but here's my question to you. Are you doing it? I can't force you to go to growth track. I can't force you to join a small group. I can't force you to join a ministry team. I can't force you to grow in your faith. So the question is, how are you growing? How do we take steps in our calling? Here's the steps we've provided. Now it's up to you of whether you actually want to take those steps serious. Do we want to sit and be a church that doesn't move and just consume religious goods on Sundays? No, I'm not, I'm not down with that because I have to face Jesus someday on behalf of understanding and hopefully providing an environment for people to grow in their faith. But I can't spoon fed, feed people. My job is to provide it and to encourage and hopefully encourage you to see the benefits of what it looks like to live a life fulfilling your primary calling of what Jesus has called you to do. We've been saying the same thing for three years since Cal and I have got here, but are you actually doing it? That's on you. That's, we believe in this process. And if you're like, well, I'm not growing in my life, have you taken this process seriously? If you're not new to our church, have you taken this process seriously? And if you haven't, why haven't you? That's a great question to ask. Because this is our primary calling. If you're new this morning, we want you to get comfortable. Find your way through this community. But I'm talking this morning to, to people who have called this their church home for a long time. What does that look like? 
your primary calling? And are you taking that journey serious? Because I can't hold your hand to follow Jesus. When I face Jesus someday, it's not like we're going to be linked arms together. Well, this is my pastor, his faith. No, no, no. Your faith. Your faith. Are you taking that serious? And if you're not, why not? Is there a disconnect? Why do you bear the name of Jesus if, if, if this thing's not even something that's a priority in your life? I've got to ask that question because this is our primary calling. And this is how we as a church have chosen to express it. We're saying that we believe in these steps of serving other people. We believe in these steps of valuing disciple making. We believe in these steps of serving our community. But have we prioritized and taken those steps serious? See, you can do it. We can help. But are you doing it? And I'll say this too. Like, here's what I hear a lot of. I want to help the church. Here's the best way you can help the church. Not come up with your ideas of how best way you can help the church. But help the church's mission. We all have the same mission and primary calling. So the way you help the church is that you take your steps seriously in growing to be Jesus. Because you creating your ways of how you want to fulfill the mission of God doesn't come under submission of the mission that God's called each and every one of us to fulfill. See, we want to create our own ways of how we can help the church. Here's the best way to help the church. You grow, you mature, you become a force to be reckoned with who represents Jesus in the world, and you go serve it, and you bring heaven wherever you go. That's how you help the church. You don't help the church by, like, believing in this lie of religious goods and services being served. You help the church by being the church and being sent out in the world with the vision that Jesus has called you to. That's how you help the church. So you first help the church by growing in your faith. Because the church is not a program or a building. The church is you on mission to fulfill the mission of God. I want to help the church. Okay, I hear you. Here's how you do it. Take the step serious. Be who God's called you to be. Be a force to be reckoned with. Do not be a pansy Christian that walks out into the world and gets owned. And then you get crusty and you start to complain about the world but at, rather than actually reaching the world that God's called you to reach because you haven't taken your journey seriously. God has made it so abundantly clear to us what our mission is, but once again, we can't handhold each other to make those decisions. You've got to take those decisions seriously. Taking next steps at being a solid disciple, falling in love with Jesus and his heart for the mission. That's how we're trying to fulfill the primary calling that God has given us as a church. Those are the next steps. That's how we're hopefully providing an environment for you to understand what is my next step to grow. Hopefully it's clear to you at this point. If it hasn't been, these are the steps we just, we beat on every single Sunday. It's up to you whether you want to do it or not. Do it. I dare you to do it. I dare you to take that primary calling serious or more serious than you have before. The next is this. Because each and every one of us have a primary calling that we can't, if you say, I'm, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, okay, well, then we're going to confront this idea of you've got to be a disciple who makes disciples wherever you are. That's our, that's our first thing. But then what's beautiful about it is, as we talked about in this series, is there's this unique calling, right? There's this unique personal calling that God tells us about. Because all of us have this kind of communal calling that we're supposed to participate in as the church, which hopefully we're providing an environment for you to grow into that. But then there's this unique calling. That you are created unlike anybody else, which is beautiful, right? And it comes out of Ephesians 2.10. I am uniquely made to do good works and deeds wherever I can be most effective. Answers the question of identity, mission, and position. Meaning this is no one is like you, and you have a corner of culture and society that only you can serve unlike anybody else. And God knows that, and God has created you to do that. So, once again, we got to ask the question. You can do it. We can help. How are we doing this? 
How are we helping you identify who God's called you to be so that you can be the force to be reckoned with in the world, partnered with God's primary mission, right? How are we giving you clear next steps to grow in and identifying your personal calling? Uh, number one, I would say this, is there's a passive approach. Um, and the passive approach is this, are you committed to Christian community? Well, it kind of goes back to the other one. Like, are, are you hanging out? Are you actually growing in your faith? Let's go back to the other one. There's a passive approach to that and saying, well, are you, are you giving yourself to Christian community? Are you taking that journey serious? Because here's what I know. When you start hanging out in Christian community, you start understanding some of your skill sets. You start understanding, oh, I'm better at this or I'm not as good as this. I'm, I'm, I'm identifying where I fit in the midst of everybody else. So first and foremost, I'm going to beat the first drum once again. In order to figure out who you are uniquely, you've got to first give yourself to the, the primary. You've you got to be all in with that. You've got to be all in with church community. You, you, the body of Christ. The bo- that's what the church is, the body of Christ. Meaning this, Jesus represented is incomplete without his body. Whoa, he's the head. We're the body. Meaning this, without the head and the body, we don't have a full Jesus. So if you're like, well, I'm just like a solo, like, kind of like worship guy. Like, I don't need the church. I've been hurt by the church. Contribute. Stop complaining. Contribute. Because I could spend my whole life complaining about all the ways that church has let me down, which it has. But that's why we're building a church that actually is a force to be reckoned with in the world. That's why we're doing what we're doing here. We're contributing. We're moving in a direction and saying we're not going to sit back, complain, whine. We're going to actually change the world because Jesus called us, empowered us to do that. And I believe that with all my heart, that that can be accomplished. So... When we do that together, there's something profound that happens where we realize and we start kind of playing with this idea of we're uniquely created. Where do I fit in? But then there needs to be some intentionality. And this is where we're trying to get better as a church because we haven't provided this very well. So I'll give you a couple things, short term and long term. Short term is this. Uh, for all you readers out there, there's a book that we based this entire series on um, called More. Uh, it's by a guy named Todd Wilson. And this will be available in the library. So if you're a reader and in the short term, you're like, man, I, I'm just like, I want to know what God's called me to be. I want to start being really intentional about that process and what that looks like for me. Great, great resource. Start reading. If you're like, well, I'm not a reader. Well, we live in 2019. There's this beautiful thing called audiobooks. So if all you guys can hear me right now, buy it on audiobook. Take it serious, right? You have the opportunity to take this serious or not. And you don't have to. Once again, I can't force you to do it. But I'll say this. This is a very helpful resource in the meantime. If you want to take your, your intentional journey of what it looks like for your unique calling and who God's created you to be, here's a great resource. And if you're like, I'm not a reader, audiobook, hallelujah, 2019, let's do it. No excuses. Like, I don't like to read, so I can't read my Bible. Great, there's an audio for that. Listen to your Bible. We, we just create so many excuses not to grow. No, that's just not what we're going to do. We're going to encourage you to grow. We're going to believe you can grow. We're going to believe that you can be everything that God has called you to be. Amen? So that's the, that's the short-term kind of intentional way. Like, start reading a book about it. Start going deep on this process and what this looks like for you. Just encourage you. So this is available. And then uh, next kind of more long-term intentional is we're going to begin to do something called the Calling Lab at our church. This is coming in August. And the Calling Lab is going to be a space that we provide for you to process through who God's called you to be. Where you, you, you literally go through this process and by the end of it, you can answer the question, I've been called to blank. Maybe that's, you know, you've been called to something specific in this next season. Some of you might actually find your life call, like a life calling that you're like, I've identified what God has called me to do throughout my whole life. It's going to look different for everybody, but the process, we have this uh, little model up on the screen. It's a triangle. This is the process we're going we're gonna to walk through with each other in this thing called the calling lab. See, on the outside of this triangle represents your personality, your vocation, and then your opportunity. I think that's so important. Who are you? What's your personality? Do you know your personality type? Have you, have, you, have you ever discovered how different you are from somebody else? There's so many different helpful personality tests, quizzes to figure out who you are. 
Uh, our culture is really obsessed with that. Uh, our culture right now is really obsessed with the Enneagram. Like I know I'm an Enneagram 5, Callie is a 4. And it's really helpful because it helps us understand how to understand one another. But have you, have you done that for yourself? Have you dug deep in who God's created you to be as a, in your personality, right? Another one, your vocation. Yeah, like where are you? Where are you spending most of your time? What do you, naturally, at this season of your life, what are you called to do? Like where are you? Uh, and then opportunity. Like what specific opportunities does where we live create for us? We live in Ponca City. There's tons of opportunities to actually bring heaven into spaces where heaven isn't represented. Then we have kind of these interior triangles, our emotions. What triggers your emotions? The, emotions, Jesus had tons of emotions and doesn't negate emotions when we become Christians, but actually invites our emotions to be a part of who we are as his unique creation. What fires you up? What, what gets your emotions in a place where you're like, I'm passionate about that, right? Prayer. Have you sought the Lord in prayer intentionally? Counselor, do you have other voices in your life that are speaking into your life, that are encouraging you and speaking things out of you maybe that you don't see in yourself? So important, the idea of confirmation, right? And when you triangulate all these ideas together through this process, it's going to help us clarify our personal and unique calling. It's going to be beautiful. Because each and every one of us are going to come to a clearer clarity of our unique masterpiece mission field. How are we going to be unique missionaries? What spaces are we going to serve that God has created us to be as unique people that nobody else can, can serve? And when we start identifying that and we begin to send that onto the, into the city and the community and the world that, 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 that God has created and loves so much, what's the potential of what could happen? So once again, this is something that we haven't been so intentional as a church community, but we're building to hopefully help you take next steps into discovering for yourself. So look, look forward to that. That's coming in August, you guys, and I'm so excited about it. Um, but lastly, as we kind of last out on this question that was asked is basically how, how, how do we take next steps in our calling? Hopefully that gives you a palette of different ways that you can take next steps in your calling if you actually want to take them. I can't take the steps for you, but hopefully you understand the clarity around what, what are some next steps to take that journey serious when it comes to your faith. But in, a, in the beginning of our series, we, we spoke some truths over our lives. And I want us to reclaim these or proclaim these for the first time as we kind of close out on this question because I just believe this is really, really helpful. And we're going to go over these kind of proclamations. And here's the first truth, number one for us this morning is, as people, I will first believe that God has a calling and a purpose for my life and trust deeply the author of my story. I will actively engage in finding the clues embedded in my story. God loves you and he's designed you. That's a profound truth. No one can take that away from you. The enemy is going to try to take that away from you. The enemy of your soul, right? Next truth. I will step forward in faith, trusting deeply that God has written a unique script for me. I will step forward in faith even when I cannot see clearly. Your personal journey with God is going to look different than everybody else's, but God will not leave you hanging. He won't. Next one. I will see my primary legacy and significance through the lens of eternity and restored relationship with God to discover my calling. I will abandon the earthbound kingdom of me to willingly serve in the eternal kingdom of God. Selfish is easy and natural. The kingdom of God commands us, calls us to die to ourselves for the sake of other people. Jesus modeled that on the cross when he died for us. We model that in our daily lives where less and less it becomes about our needs, our wants, our religious goods and services that are given to me, and it transitions to a place of saying, my life is built for the sake of other people. That's the kingdom. It's not the kingdom of me. It's the kingdom of God. He's not content with your current status quo. 
He wants you to grow. Oh, and desperately, so do I as, I, as God confronts those selfish areas of my life as well. It's a journey. It's a process. But it's beautiful what God can do as he bursts that forward in our lives. Next, I will put the lordship of Jesus at the center of my life. I will shift from pursuing fame in my own strength to allowing the fullness of Jesus to move in me and through me to others. I will submit daily to the lordship of Jesus, the profound truth that he wants to work through you. You're imperfect. doesn't matter. God's like, here's my vehicle. It's called the church. It's called people. They're broken. They're imperfect. But they're going to be the hope bearers. They're going to be the ones that go. They're going to be the ones that do. It's going to blow our minds in the process as he allows us to be, continue to be broken people, mended back together in a process of being literally the fullness of him who is Jesus. Next one, one I'm passionate about. I will redefine success in the context of the church's mission. There it is. Powerful. I will embrace my personal calling as God's unique equipping to play my part in this mission. I will also devote myself to living in common as a family member in a healthy local community of faith to carry the fullness of Jesus into every corner of society. His mission involves you. We are not a program. We are not a building. We are a people called on mission to go serve the world together. We're going to take that serious. Next one, I will take personal responsibility for the unique role Jesus gives me. The journey will lead me to discover and engage my unique calling, never delegating my role to others. He desires you to, to lead your unique life. You can only lead that, but you got to pursue it. you got to take those steps. Once again, this isn't, a, this isn't hand-holding. Like baby food can't be forever. Right? This can't be a spoon-fed faith forever. There's got to be a maturity process. There's got to be an ownership. There's got to be living out the potential of what God's called you to be. Because the enemy of our souls wants nothing more than you to just continue to be spoon-fed. Because you'll do nothing. You'll just be spoon-fed. And the enemy wins when the church doesn't live up to the potential of what he's called us to do. Are we asleep? Or are we being awakened to the potential of what God wants to accomplish through his church? And then lastly, to embrace calling, I will continually strive to submit to the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit, trusting him to reveal the unique clues of my personal calling. I will shift from reliance on my own power and strength to reliance on the wisdom, power, and leading of the Holy Spirit. His power is made perfect in your weakness. See, you can do it. We can help. You can do it. We can help. And we are here to help. And that is why we exist. Amen. Hopefully that helps answer a question that I feel like encapsulates so much of why do we do what we do? Are we just doing what we're doing? Are we just going through the motions? No. We're hopefully we're taking the steps provided before us to create an environment for us to grow and to be the force in the world to be reckoned with for Jesus and for a life of what human flourishing looks like that we can invite others into. Beautiful. Okay. Where are we at on time? See, we got like 10 minutes left, you guys. That took up the whole time. So, okay, let me see if we got any uh, spontaneous questions. I'm loading. I'm loading. I'm loading. Okay. Nobody, nobody asked a question, so we will... Move on and spend the rest of our time kind of chugging through this list here. Okay, so here's the next question that was asked. I like this question. Why do some churches have a church membership and some don't? What is the purpose of signing up for a church membership? Membership? Man, if, if, you, if you're familiar with church, like, membership is this weird word. Like, I remember, like, when I was a youth pastor and, like, I was talking to youth mem- about youth membership. Or, I mean, membership of a church um, with my youth team. I remember that everybody, so many people got freaked out. Like, 
talking about giving up control. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was this dirty word, and I was like, I never understood it because I guess I never viewed it through that lens. But I think this plays to the answer to this question is churches view membership differently. Every church view, every denomination, every network, every kind of group that's held accountable to something higher in terms of their authority uh, expresses membership a little bit different. And I'll I'll say this is it's personal preference. But membership and being a member at a church and kind of like basically choosing to give your life away, once again, this plays back on what we're talking about of what it means to be a Christian, choosing to give your life away to a local community and how we express that is about personal preference and how we structure that, and it's about accountability and governance, is that we want to hold people accountable to their commitments. We want to provide governance and understanding who are some people that we can, when times get tough or when we need to press in, who are a group of people that we know are in it, all in it, that we call upon. That's the governance side of it. Who are the leaders? Who are the elders and the deacons? The Bible gives language for that, and, and, and a membership helps create form for that. And I'll just say this, that the purpose of this is really uh, bound within what we would call covenants, right? And the Bible is full of different covenants. The way that God interacts with humanity is based on the covenant in which he is in, in that given point in the biblical narrative, right? So covenants, a biblical covenant is this. A covenant is an agreement between two parties that is legal and binding. Each covenant typically had a history of how the parties walked out this covenant together This body of literature is called a canon. So at our church, we call our membership heart and soul because we believe that the body of literature of what you're committing to is you are the heart and soul of of our church, meaning that you take those next steps that we've recommended earlier serious, that you're a person that's committed to the process of moving out, to being a person that isn't just growing, but being a person that does as well, serves other people, right? So that's kind of how we express it. We call it our heart and soul because I believe that that's the heart and soul of our church. The ones that are giving their lives away are the ones that are driving the process for us to continue to be faithful to what Jesus' mission is. And the way that you actually become a heart and soul member is you follow through on one of the steps we've encouraged you to do, which is growth track. Growth track ends with an opportunity to become the heart and soul of our church. But once again, you might be like, I've never even knew that existed. Well, once again, we've provided this for about three years now, so that we're handing the ball off to you. I can't force you to attend something we've been encouraging for three years. That's on you. So that's, that's what it looks like, and it's helped create a framework around how we express this. But there's so many different types of biblical covenants, and what's represented in a membership covenant for us is what we would call a kinship covenant. This is similar to a marital covenant. Like, if you're married, you understand this, or you understand the idea of marriage. Like, it's the same thing. It's a commitment to one another that's valued in our culture and our society. Whether you believe in a Christian marriage or not, you believe in some aspect that a covenant is valuable because it's expressed in marriage. And here's what a kinship covenant is. Same thing as a marital covenant. Same thing of what we're saying is the covenant that when somebody says, I want to be a member of Ponca City Church or become heart and soul of the church, here's what it basically entails. It's a covenant when two equal parties come together, as in a marriage, each party took on a small list of obligations in the covenant. This type of covenant had a small set of obligations and was evenly divided between the two parties. A kinship covenant was also referred to as a parity covenant. So to break down in the language we just talked about, it's basically a covenant where we as a staff and the pastors and those who are here to equip you are saying our end of the bargain is we are going to be people that help equip you to be everything God's called you to be. And the other side of the covenant is saying, hey, here's next steps that we really want you to take serious. And we know when you do that, uh, we're going to see growth and we're actually going to be fulfill the mission of Jesus in which he's called us to be. So it's just creating accountability and governance for what we're trying to drive towards, which is growth and fulfilling the mission of God 
in and through us as a local church community. Amen? It's protection also, I'll say this, for God's agenda rather than personal agenda. Because here's what I know. When you don't have this type of structure in a church, it becomes the wild, wild west very easily. Where a select few are like, we're going to drive the process of what's supposed to happen in the church. And many times that's not actually held accountable to God's mission. So this helps us make sure the people in power that are driving the mission of God are actually driving the mission of God, not personal preferences or like what worship song I wanted to play on Sunday or else I'm going to leave the church, blah, 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 blah. It protects us to say we're accountable to God's mission, not everybody's methods. Mission. Methods change. The mission stays the same. We change our methods to express the mission, but the mission is primary. And this is how we hold the mission accountable so that a select group of people that don't want to take the next steps we're encouraging don't try to hijack a church and basically create some sort of a cult dynamic that goes off the rails, right? We're in community together of saying we're, we're mission people. That's primary. The methods, it's going to look different for everybody. Churches are going to express that differently. But this is how we say here's a core of people as we make decisions and move forward. So if you're a part of the heart and soul of our church, there's decisions you get let in on. Our financial board, we just appointed a couple new financial board members, and our membership, our heart and soul for the church, got to vote and have power within that of nominating individuals, right? So once again, it influences the way we make decisions as we chart forward as a church. It's accountability, it's governance, but really that's how we do it, and why churches do it are for the the purpose of governance and accountability, but it's really personal preference and what that looks like. So hopefully whoever answered that question, uh, that provided a good enough answer for that. Amen? Okay, I'm going to keep moving down the, the list I got here. I got like a few more minutes, but we'll do one more and then we'll pray and, and we'll get out of here and enjoy some uh, free ice cream floats this morning. Amen? Okay, this was a Christian ethic question and this actually came up last time. And I like this. The question is this. If someone says they believe in God and receive salvation as a young adult, but 50 years later they can't let go of offenses and even forgive, Will they still go to heaven if they don't believe God loves them because he won't answer any of their prayers in their time and in their way? This is a really complex question. I, 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 uh, I resonate with it, though. But, it, but here's, here's where I believe questions such as this are born out of. It's the question of how low can a person go? How low can a person go before they're outside of the grace and the vision God has for their lives, right? So it's an interesting question because it's kind of like, what's the lowest point I can get where God doesn't accept me, right? But we need to navigate this through relationship. So I guess the first question, will they still go to heaven? I'm just going to be honest. I don't know. And I'm not God to judge. Because the final judge in that decision and that authority has been given to Jesus, in which all things are under his feet. He gets to be the final judge. Gets to decide the status of someone's faith, their heart, at their departure from earth. That's been a role that's been reserved to God. Now, when we place ourselves in that role, that's when church gets really messy, because we believe in God complexes, and we try to decide someone's eternal fate before that moment even gets to be decided. But, here's the big buts, we get authority in how we assess things on earth, right? Jesus says the way that we know someone is by the fruit that they produce. Good fruit, bad fruit. It gives us a clue in where somebody's at in their faith journey and what is being expressed out of their life. 
If there's unforgiveness, if God doesn't love me, if there's this erroneous relationship about how you view God in prayer as if God is just a genie who answers all of your personal selfish requests and expects God to serve you as your personal genie, yeah, that's, that's a problem because that's a view of God that doesn't represent what prayer actually is because when you submit to prayer in Jesus' name, you're saying, God, I'm being an ambassador to see something break through, but I'm also submitting it under your name above all names that even if my prayer doesn't get answered, I'm going to trust that's for my best interest and for the interest of what you need to accomplish on earth. Not a, Jesus, you, you answer all my personal prayers, and that's it, bottom line. What I want done gets done. No, no, no. See, there's, there's a lot going on here. So what I will say, based on the fruit out of this person's life that's being described, is they, they seem like a pretty darn good candidate of somebody who can reject the free gift that God's given them. They seem like they're in a place in this season of their life where they, 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 they're, they're, they seem like a pretty good candidate to say, you know what, Jesus, I don't want you. I don't want your forgiveness. I don't want your grace. I don't want to forgive others. I don't, I'm rejecting you. And once again, that's a, that's a decision each and every one of us get to make. Whether we receive the free gift in which Jesus has offered us or not. They seem like a candidate. Am I the final judge of that? Absolutely no, I am not. So what do we do in the midst of people that we see in our lives that we care so deeply about? And this is where it gets, comes home for us. Pray. Pray for people in our lives. Be a witness to other people. If people have a skewed view of Jesus, you are the fullness of Jesus expressed in everything and every way. Be Jesus with skin on for people that don't see him clearly. Remind people of Jesus' heart by being like Jesus. This is, once again, when we begin to institutionalize that responsibility, we miss out an opportunity to be Jesus for other people. If you don't look like Jesus, you haven't been a great disciple. Once again, it goes back to the, how can I help the church? Here's how you can help the church. Be like Jesus to people in your life that, don't, that need him and don't see him clearly because church has hurt him. People have hurt him. The world has let them down. And the sinful place called this world that we live in is very difficult. Be Jesus. And once again, don't miss out on that first one. Pray. 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 Because we want to invite and lead people towards a direction, towards them receiving and seeing Jesus clearly to receive that gift, that free gift of what God offers that covers our life. That only, the only difference between you and I when we face Jesus someday isn't going to be based upon our good works and deeds. It's simply going to be first and foremost based on what he's already done for us. We're going to all understand how we've all fallen short when we face Jesus someday. I'm going to realize as a pastor all the selfish ways I missed it. And it's going to be a very sorrowful moment. So is somebody next to me that maybe never accepted Jesus. The only difference between me and that person is simply going to be one thing, his blood. One that I said, shower me, Lord. Because I understand it. I understand that gift that you've given me. Shower me with it. That's the only difference. It's powerful. So once again, it brings more back to the purpose of the church. Are we praying for those in our lives that need spiritual breakthrough? Are we looking like Jesus and helping push people in the right direction for their life? God has been so patient. We live in the day-to-day where God's patient is being exemplified by the time he's given us to actually be a witness of Jesus so people can be connected to his grace, his power, and his love in a profound way that I believe changes our lives forever. Amen? Well, let's pray this morning. We're out of time, and we'll just close this morning.